Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Lightning fans, you found the right show for everything you need to know about your favorite team in the NHL. It's the Lightning Insider Podcast with Eric Erlinson. Get ready for insight, historical perspective, interviews, and breaking news that comes from a reporter insider who's got near 20 years on the Tampa Bay Lightning beat. Now for the latest with the Lightning, here's Eric. Hello, everyone, and welcome into another edition of the Lightning Insider Podcast. I'm Eric Erlinson from lightninginsider.com. We're going to recap the Game 4 victory for the Tampa Bay Lightning. It was a 4-1 win over the New York Islanders. They now have a commanding 3-1 series lead and sit one win away from advancing to the Stanley Cup Final for the third time in franchise history and the first time since 2015. A lot of things to kind of cover with today's game. The return of Braden Point. Uh, Andre Vasilevsky, I thought, was solid in that. Again, Nikita Kucherov continues to shine. Uh, so we'll talk a lot about that. Uh, but I thought I would have a treat for everybody today because I have welcomed in my good friend, Greg Linelli. You know him from Lightning Power Play Live, the pregame and intermission host, as well as the postgame host uh, as well for Lightning Radio and Lightning Power Play. My former co-host on Lightning Lunch. Uh, and I'm just I'm pleased that he was able to come on today. These afternoon games are wonderful things. They allow this opportunity for me to bring in Greg. And Greg, I can't thank you enough for coming on, man. How are things? Me, I'm honored to come on the show with you. And I know the podcast uh, is doing very well. And what you're doing, so kudos to you. And uh, I'm honored to come on and talk a little a little puck with you. Yeah, it's been a while. Uh, going all the way back to the end of May was the last yeah. time that we did uh, one of the shows, the Power Lunch shows on Lightning Power Play. So it's uh, it's good to be back with you again here for for a little bit, and hopefully the fans uh, will enjoy this as well. And let's let's just kind of start and get right into the game. By the way, I'll have a trivia question for everybody later on. I promise a trivia question. We'll have a T-shirt giveaway from Smack Apparel Sports. Uh, so listen listen for the uh, the trivia question a little bit later on in the show. We had a good response the last time. Hopefully, more of you will get involved uh, as Joyce won the T-shirt last time. Uh, so congratulations to Joyce. Joyce, I'm sorry you're not eligible for this one. We do have to kind of share the wealth a little bit. So, so be on the listen for that. Um, so let's just get right into the return of Braden Point, Greg. Uh, obviously a huge part of this team, um, you, you know, and especially in the absence of Steven Stamkos. He's really uh, almost in some ways, maybe more so than Nikita Kucherov, the offensive focal point of this team. And, you know, as good of a year as he had last year, I don't know if we could have said that into this playoffs, and it's unusual and strange for sure, but that he would be the focal point of the Lightning offense. Yeah, he's... He's reaffirming at least my belief that he is the best forward on this team. We talked about being a two-way player for sure, but now he's taking on a bigger role offensively. And isn't it weird? He, you know, you take a look at what was it, game three, he's out. And the Lightning felt like they, they should have won that game. A lot of self-inflicted wounds. And the depth showed. They, I thought they were the, the, the more talented team than the Islanders in game three, but they didn't. They didn't finish as much as you would like. I thought Kucherov was good in that game as well. But then the difference Point makes when he returns, and it just brings it to another level. He's dynamic, but he, he also, 
as Brian Engblom told me on the last call uh, after Game 4, is that he's he's such a north-south player. I mean, he can play east and west, but in the playoffs, even though he's a smaller guy and he's fast, his style of play is suited for the playoffs because you know, he's not really fancy, although he can be at times. I mean, he's a hard-nosed player that typically makes the right play at the right time. And the only way the Islanders can slow him down is if he's not playing. <laughs> and that's something we're going to have to keep an eye on, obviously, heading into Tuesday night's game. But Braden points to me, if you didn't believe it, I think reaffirms that he is the best player outside of Andre Vasilevsky on that team. And I'll include Victor Hedman. I'll go Steph Furley. Wow. Amazing player. I think Braden points. I mean, we're not talking about Steven Stamkos. Steven Stamkos is a Hall of Fame player. 40-goal score. I think if Braden Point was in Steven Stamkos' boat where he wasn't playing, I think there would be a noticeable drop-off. I do. And it would be hard not to argue with you, right? I just... I, I, I well, because that's what we do. <laughs> uh, um, but, it's just my opinion. It's just my opinion. Well, and, and it's a fair assessment because if you, um, if you look at the way... Like... And I said this, I said this uh, pregame today on a Facebook Live I did. Braden Point last year was a really, really good complimentary player, right? Like you look at his role on the power play. Yeah, he led the league in power play goals, but let's face it, it was the umbrella at the top between Hedman, Kucherov, and Stamkos that really fed that power play. He's no longer a complimentary player. He is the driving force. Not only not only on on his line, but on this team. I mean, just look at the way he likes to. He commands the puck now. It's not something we could have said about him last year. He commands it. He wants it. He's confident with it. He can do so many things now. He's healthy. We've mentioned that before. But the way that he like, just watch him circle back and want, he wants the puck as soon as he hits his own blue line. Not the opposing blue line. He wants it when he hits his own blue line so that he can generate speed, back the defense off, and then it opens up so many opportunities for him, for his line mates. I mean, just look at the Pollock goal today that they scored, the one that put them ahead 2-1, to one, where Kucherov has the puck. Yeah, but Braden, they have to pay so much attention to Braden Point and his speed coming through the zone, they forget about the trailer, right? Like, Andre Pollock is a really good complementary player for that line especially, and he picked up you know, the, the game-winning goal and, you know, turn the game around in an instant. But, again, you really have to respect the way the Braden Point has turned his game around this year. You know what? He's one of the rare players who is almost as fast with the puck yeah. than he is without it. And he, he set the tone in the series. In the first goal of this series in Game 1, makes a play. And the elite skating, that doesn't go in slump. You know, sometimes, like Kucherov, I think was, what, Game 2, his shooting was a bit off and missing the net, that comes and goes. But if you can skate like Braden Point, you're going to generate chances whether you're having a bad game or not. And that's always going to be there. And let's face it, too. It's a big reason why Andre Pallott, I think, is having playoffs he has. Pallott's a good player, we know, in the playoffs, for sure. But look at the numbers he's putting up. Yeah. I mean, come on. And I don't know if Pallott let it slip in the previous series. I believe that's when he came out. It was, it was after one of the games, and he basically said, Points are best play. And I don't know if that yeah. he's trying to be nice, but I think those guys know. I think because of his speed, Kucherov gets a little bit more space out there. And I think a lot is the perfect complimentary player to those two guys. Well, and I love Blake Coleman's comment today after the game. He said, 
Braden Point's the most dangerous player in the playoffs. I, I mean, <laughs> that's a good line. In fairness, in fairness to some other guys in the playoffs, I haven't watched all of this series, so I don't, I don't want to minimize what the Jamie Bens are doing over in Dallas and Radulov, but you'd be hard-pressed to tell me those guys are better than Point right now in the playoffs. I, I will say it. There is nobody better in the playoffs right now than Braden Point. You know, as as good as Shea, Shea Theodore is playing for Vegas, um, you know, I mean, look, Ben has scored some big goals uh, for Dallas, but he hasn't been dangerous. Like, like, like you, every time Braden Point gets any kind of speed on his puck, you think something good can happen. You feel like something good can happen. Yeah. And I don't know if you can say that about a, a Ben or a, a Theodore. I mean, let's face it, all the Vegas forwards are struggling right now. Their shooting percentage yeah. going back to the Vegas series is about 3.5%. That's not good enough to get it done. Uh, so I, I think that's, you know, Coleman is right on there. I mean, he is the most dangerous player still playing in the playoffs. So I think an interesting question is circulating right now. And that would be, not that Braden Point has to be 100%, because these guys are nicked up. We understand the talk when, when playoff hockey goes on. The guys are, are playing banged up. But given his situation, the fact that he had to leave the game on what is it, Sunday. Sunday. <laughs> Feels uh, like forever ago. Yeah, I just, you know, these, these days, they, they kind of just all go in one. If you feel like he's not 100% or even 90%, you sit him. I think that's what. Sit him on Tuesday. I think that's what they did in Game Three. Honestly, you know, we yeah. we saw the short little video that the league provided of the morning skate ahead of Game Three, and we saw a point out there. I don't know how much he skated. We didn't see any actually video of him skating. It was just a quick drive-by view of him along the boards. So we didn't see him skating, but that gave me the indication that because they've done it before, right? Just go back to the 2015 Stanley Cup Final, and they sat Ben Bishop for game four. They had a two, one series lead. They sat Bishop for game four, thinking that they kind of played with house money a little bit at the worst case scenario. You're tied two two. you know, if, if Braden point is, and the other thing is too, like they played well enough in game three, they could have won the game. I'm not saying they should have won the game, but they could have won the game even without Braden point. So, um, I, I think it's something that they will think long and hard about. And then you have to have the balance and maybe, maybe it depends on what happens with the Dallas Vegas game on Monday night because if Dallas wins, obviously they advance. So that means if Tampa Bay wins, well, they advance and that all of a sudden shrinks the window a little bit for when the Stanley Cup final could start uh, if it plays out that way. So I, I think there's a lot of factors, but I think the I think the Lightning are considering it and I think they will consider it because we've seen them do it before. I mean, this is an underrated storyline here. But the Tampa Bay Lightning on their way, hopefully, to the Stanley Cup final, if they finish and take care of business on Tuesday, three straight series in five games. You know, before in this parity-driven league, maybe you get one of those. If they close it out on Tuesday, that's pretty impressive stuff. That doesn't mean they guarantees them anything. I'm just telling you, I, I there is a focus and a mindset with this team that you've got the sense after who was it uh, Game Three's loss, basically that John Cooper was like, "Yeah, we're fine. We got to clean up some stuff." But I feel like the mindset is different with this team, and I, I know that's kind of a, a generic way of saying things, but. My sense from watching this team is they're on a mission, and this mission won't be completed until they win the Cup. And I feel like they are the favorite to do that, even though they have not passed the Islanders just yet. I would agree with that, and I don't know if you believe in redemption tours, but 
you know, I, and people have made this comparison. I don't really follow college basketball, but a lot of people made the comparison. University of Virginia, first number one seed to get beat by a 16 seed, and then they steamrolled their way to a title. I'm not quite saying that here, but if you think about it, I think them playing the Columbus Jack- Blue Jackets in the first round was the best thing that could have happened to them. Had their attention right away, gave them the opportunity to, you can't erase last year, but to put a little bit of an eraser mark on it and say, okay, that was a fluke. This is what we're going to do. And then you get the Bruins in the second round, which I think is yeah. good. You get Barry Trotz in the third round. And then if it happens to be the Dallas Stars, you got Rick Bonus and Ben Bishop over on the Dallas Stars right now. So you want to talk about just if I'm not saying things are meant to be, but you're looking at just the way in this crazy world we're in right now, just how things are starting to develop for these opportunities for Tampa Bay. Look, they still got to win the one game against the Islanders. But if you believe in redemptions tours, I think we're seeing a little bit of a redemption tour so far. Is it the revenge tour? As Nick Alberger would possibly say? No, we don't want to. We're, we're not giving too much, too many props to Nick Alberga. <laughs> well, let me make an observation here through four games. And I felt like this was the case after two. The Islanders just aren't as good. Yeah. And the Lightning star players are making way more plays than the Islanders star players. Brock Nelson's the guy that's showing up right now. Matthew Barzell hasn't. Not because I think lack of effort. It's just not working right now for him. But the Islanders don't have many of those guys. Tampa Bay has three, four, five, six guys that can kind of maybe take over a game. Plus, they have the complementary pieces who can, who can contribute. The Islanders are overmatched. I, again, I don't know how Tuesday is going to play out. They may be able to, to get a win against Tampa Bay and make it go six. This may go seven. I don't think so. I think the Lightning are the better team. And I think that the microcosm of this series happened in the second period for me on Sunday. Where the Islanders were pushing. They really were making Tampa Bay uncomfortable. But what happens at the end of two? <laughs> Tampa Bay's up two. All that work the Islanders were doing. I mean, Tampa Bay, at, at times, they were handling the puck like it was a grenade. I mean, it really was. They were having problems with puck possession. And with all that being said, the Islanders were trailing at the end of two. That's devastating. For and, and this is after a first period where Tampa Bay dominated. They had the puck the whole time, and it's 0-0. Zero, zero. So you, you right. talked about the mindset of this team. I think that's where we see a little bit of a different mindset of the team because in years past, if the Lightning would have had a period like that and they come out 0-0, zero zero, probably would have been frustrated, probably would have been impatient. You can't be impatient against the Islanders. You have to be patient. And the funny thing is is that the, the script kind of flipped in the second period because the, the numbers take away the power plays in the second period. It was actually the Islanders who had a 21 eight or 21 to nine advantage in shot attempts in the second period. But you're right. It was the lightning that was in charge. Um, And the other thing is too, you go back to game two. I mean, that was the Islanders chance, right? You know, the lightning lose Alex Kalorn five, six minutes into the game. Uh, you, You miss point from the second period on. So you're down to nine forwards. If you can't beat the lightning without Braden point gone for the game, playing with three lines, really just three lines and you lose that way. I don't care. That that was that was the Islanders' shot right there. If they weren't going to win the game, if they weren't going to win that game, there's no way they were going to win the series. And I think that's where – and the funny thing is, Greg, I think the Islanders are the best team the Lightning have played in the playoffs. I think they're the deeper, deepest team the Lightning yeah, have played in the playoffs yeah. be, because uh, they don't have the stars, but they have a really good 1-12 to if you want to count it up 1-12. to I mean, Bovillio, he's had a great – 
playoffs. Um, you know, Brock Nelson's had a great playoffs. Barzell, to this point, had had a good playoffs before he ran into this series. Um, you know, they were getting contributions from everywhere. I mean, you're getting Scott Scott Mayfield scoring Game 7 goals. Andy Green scoring Game 7 goals. Goaltending, too. Yeah. <laughs> no back and forth. Yeah. So I, that's why I think the Islanders are the deepest team the Lightning have played, and they still can't even come close to matching the Lightning's depth. And I think that's where this, this series is ultimately playing out. It just goes to show you, you do need star power. You really do. Barry Trotz is a star coach, but he can't go out there and score goals for Matthew Barzell. Now, Brock Nelson's gotten loose here the last couple of games. He's a really good player for sure. But the Lightning have four or five of those guys. Yeah. And that's that's really the difference. Kudos to the Islanders for what they're doing. And look, coming into the series, I thought their goaltending was going to be a huge issue. I don't think it's been as good as was advertised. In fact, I thought Lamoff probably needed to come up with that save on Coleman. That, that's a, to me, that's that's a save you need to make, even though it was kind of a breakaway. The puck was there in front of him. I don't think he played it particularly well. Far be it for But the Lightning, too, at times in the series, has done a good job of taking away the eyes. Uh, the Islanders goaltenders, and that happened early on in the series. But I, I, to me, it still comes down to yes, you need depth, you need experience, but you need you do need your star players to perform at high levels. And I think Tampa Bay has done more of that than the Islanders. And their goaltending has too. Vasilevsky outside of Game Three has been really good in this series. Um, you know, and, and on the breakaway, I mean, that's what it is. Like we talk about the star players, and all of a sudden you got Blake Coleman. Right. Converting on a breakaway, I, it's just it's hard for them to match up against it. And 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 Varlamov did try and poke check. He did try and poke check. So he put himself out of position. That allowed the opportunity for Coleman to 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 tuck it in. But um, yeah, that's that's the that's the one thing that we talked many many times about this team is just how deep they are and they can come at you from different angles um, in many ways. Uh, what about Nikita Kucherov? You know, um, a lot of focus. I mean, you know, you listen to the NBC broadcast and they praise Matthew Barzell a lot. Even Has that been legit? I, yeah. I haven't obviously been able to listen to it. Yeah. I, I'm getting a lot, because we're having Eddie Olczyk on the show tomorrow, and people want me to ask him, why are you at, <laughs> giving him praise over Braden points? Like, if that's even a comparison, I, I'm surprised that NBC is doing Like, they're not giving maybe Braden point the props that he should be getting. Is Matthew Barzell, are they saying he's basically the best player on the ice? I mean, what, what, what's the narrative coming out? Well, the the one comment that I think got Lightning fans sort of in an ire was when Point left Game Two. And it might have been Eddie. I'd correct me if I'm wrong. If anybody's listening, but I think it was Eddie who said, "With Braden Point out, Matthew Barzell is the best player in the series." And look, he's a talented player. Wait, wait. So he said, "With Braden Point out, when Braden Point got injured." So basically, he was saying if Braden Point was playing, he's yes, the best player. yes, but. Okay. You know, he overlooked Nikita Kucherov. He overlooked Victor Hedman. You know, that's that's the stars that this team has, right? So I, I guess that's what people are saying. But yeah, I mean, they are they're praising Matthew Barzell to the point where I think they said in Game Two that Barzell was having a game just like Braden Point had in Game One, which you kind of scratch your head over because Braden Point had five points in that game. Yeah, you got to score some points there first. Well, what's Barzell have two points in the series and they're both assists? So uh, look. <laughs> Barzell's a really fantastic player. player. He is. This is not a slight on Matt Barzell. It's just he he can't compare to the Lightning Stars. And he's their one star. And he's not even a star necessarily. He has star qualities, and I think he'll be an all-star moving forward. But, I mean, again, you just look at the Lightning 
lineup, you have a Vezina Trophy winner, you have a Norris Trophy winner. Um, he's not playing, but you have a Rocket Richard Trophy winner. Uh, you have a Hart Trophy winner. Let's not ignore the Hart Trophy winner from last year who had 128 points. He's quietly having a fantastic series. I, I was going to say, he's been engaged, and they're seriously taking runs at him, which they're trying to throw him off his game. And so I understand that. But I think Kucherov's been very good. I think Kucherov has been a guy who's looking to distribute. I also think he's looking to get a shot off. I think when he's shooting, that is a good sign. But I think he's always going to have that urgency to pass first. I think that's just his game. I think he likes to set up guys. But I think he is looking for a shot. I have no problems with the way Nikita Kucherov has played in these playoffs. I know some people, you know, maybe in previous years would look at his performance and say, eh, I need a little bit more. I know the Washington Capitals Game 6 and Game 7 series a couple years back sticks out when, you know, the Lightning cut out and Kucherov and Stamkos came under a lot of feet for that. But he's grown from that. So is the, so is the team. And I think Kucherov you can make a strong case that their second best forward next to Braden Point in this playoffs, and just look at the point totally. He's like I said, I think he's been fantastic. He is. Has he been the flashy cooch that we're used to seeing? Eh, maybe not flashy, but you're not going to do that in the playoffs. No, but I mean, just again going back to the to the goal, uh, the 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 third goal that that kind of opened the game up a little bit. First of all, it's a great kick pass by Andre Pilat to get it over to Kucherov. And it's a great play by Kucherov to go from his skate to a stick. I mean, that's flashy to me. I mean, that's, that's brilliant play. There's, you know, there are players that can do that in this league, but the, the biggest one, go back to game one. I've never seen a player do this when he turned his stick over as a, as a ramp at high speed while he's skating. I mean, that just blew me away. I like, I centered basically my whole story around that in an eight, eight to two game. And it was the sixth goal in an eight to two game. And maybe you have the luxury to try a play like that in those circumstances. I was going to say out of 10 times, how many times does he complete that? Well, it's him. I'm going to go eight. (laughs) (laughs) You might be right. He's that good with the, with the puck, but I mean, just to have the wherewithal and the instincts and the understanding to, to process all that information in such a short period of time, that's been flashy. Uh, It hasn't resulted in necessarily goals for him, but he has been a big part of this offense, and he's a big part of the reason why Braden Point is having the season or the, the postseason that he's having. Uh, they, they t- those two have worked off each other very, very well. Well, they've had a couple of years to play with each other now, and I think that, that, has, that has helped. And then you throw Pilat, who came into training camp a little slimmer. He's faster. He's healthy. Yep. Yep. That's the best line you can make a case in the NHL right now. And, you know, I don't think it's coincidence that when Braden Point's on a line, it's typically the best line, not only on that team, but you can make a case in the league, and I think it's a trickle-down effect. It was good to see when Point was out, Sorelli sometimes get elevated to that role when he was engaged a, a little bit more. And look, we're not talking about Tyler Johnson, Alex Kalorn, and Anthony Sorelli. And the reason why we're not talking about them is because they're getting enough scoring up and down that lineup that they don't need those guys. I still think there's going to come a game where that line has an impact offensively. I think it's coming. I haven't seen it. Sorelli hit the crossbar today. Yeah. But they haven't needed them. And that's the sign of a really good one. Don't be left out. Make sure you subscribe to the Lightning Insider on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else where podcasts are found. Now, here again is Eric. It is, uh, because that's your second line, and you do expect some scoring out of your second line. I know they've been handling a lot of the defensive duties in many ways, but um, 
you know, that you, you want them to chip in. And look, Sorelli's had a couple of big goals. I mean, the, the tying goal in Game 5 against Columbus that forced uh, the overtime and the go-ahead goal against Boston in the clinching game. I know the Bruins end up tying it, but he, you know, he, he came up in those spots. But we are seeing him more engaged. Uh, I really like the way he was in on the forecheck today. Uh, and then, you know, him and Kalorn are so good on the penalty kill together. I mean, Kalorn was fantastic on the PK today. That one, the one in particular he had where, he was basically a one-man penalty kill unit. I mean, he had the puck for 30 seconds on a stick, and the Islanders couldn't get it away from him. But, yeah, they're going to have to have an impact. You, We keep saying he can't rely on one line to score, but, boy, that line has really produced a lot. But, you know, even going back to the Columbus series, the Gord line in, you know, the game was the game four victory that gave him a 3-1 lead. They were huge. And, you know, so you have to have those moments from your other lines. But, boy, I, 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 I said this with uh, Ron and Ian last week. When Kucherov and Point are playing like this, nobody's going to stop him. Nobody's going to slow him down unless they're not in the lineup, as you said. The one thing that has been sticking out the last couple of games that they need to clean up has been their puck management in their own zone, specifically the defensemen. And I think they are running into some problems here getting the puck out. Now, some of that, or to make a case, a lot of that has been the Islanders' forecheck. But McDonough has been a little bit off. Shattenkirk, I think, has been a little bit off. Petty at times has been a little bit off with some of the passes. Again, that's a product of the Islanders and what they've been able to accomplish. But it, when the ice has been tilted in favor of the Islanders, it typically started with bad puck management in Tampa Bay's own zone. That will need to get cleaned up, especially if Braden Point isn't in because Point can be essentially a one-man breakout. So I'd like to see them clean that up a little bit more Tuesday. And again, especially if Point is not in the game. Yeah, uh, so a lot of things to look forward to. Uh, again, game four. Five will be on Tuesday at 8 o'clock. And, um, you know, we've seen this team now in two straight series actually come up with the clinching game in Game 5. Both of them were overtime. You know, the game against Columbus and the game against Boston were both overtime series clinching victories. Knowing all the things that we just talked about, and especially the maturation, the different mindset that we kind of see out of this team here uh, through this postseason, maybe compared to last what what do you expect on Tuesday? You expect a, a composed Lightning team, knowing that the Islanders are playing for their lives. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the Islanders are going to come out and they're going to do what they try and do: forecheck, play really hard, jump the puck in, block a lot of shots. I mean, everything you expect somebody to do facing elimination, they're going to do. The question is, can they do that for sixty minutes? I think this team is going to finish it off on Tuesday with or without Britain. Point. Now, maybe that's a um, bold statements to make. I just, I think they were disappointed. They lost game three. And I think there's an opportunity to close things out. You know, maybe things are a little tense early on because you know, as Brian Engblom was telling me, a lot of emotions going into the game where you can clinch it. But I think this Lightning team understands what's at stake. They are the better team, especially if they get that first goal. I think the Islanders will really start to press because they just have not been able to fill the net with any regularity in the series give credit to the Lightning for that. But I think if they get down, especially early, boy, is that pressure going to mount on the Islanders. Yes, yeah, so let me ask you this before before we let you go. Uh, we've talked a lot about through the years, the 7-11 format. They haven't done it as much recently. I know we've had the conversation before. I still think when this lineup is fully healthy, they're better suited 12-6. But boy, the 7-11 has really worked for them. Luke Shen has come in and given them, he doesn't play a ton, but he's given them some pretty good moments. He had the fight with Matt Martin back in the early stages of this series. Are you surprised the 7-11 has worked so well for Tampa Bay and you know since doing it game two against Boston? You know, I think 
to answer you honestly, probably yes. But then reflecting on it, you know, what's, what's something you and I have talked about? This is the deepest back end we've seen. Yep. Maybe we shouldn't be surprised if John Cooper is going. Now, I do think Shen is in there because this matchup might be a little bit more conducive to his style of play. He's physical, clearing guys in front of the net. I think those are things that Luke Shen can do. If they advance the next round, is that something they stick with, depending on who the opponent is? That might be something that's an interesting conversation to have. But when they stuck with it and they went with it originally, I was surprised. But you know how John Cooper is. Once they start winning, he's going to stay with it. So from that standpoint, no. But originally, yes. Well, and they did they did lose the game the other night, but he he stuck with it. But I, I think it's worked well in the series. I think he's found ways to mix and match, especially in in game uh, game three where Point was out. Other than Sorelli sticking with Palat and Kucherov, every everybody else was mixed up. It wasn't, of course, no Alex Kalorn as well, but nothing was set. Right, like, like he just mixed and matched. I thought it really worked out well. I think it gave the Islanders some fits uh, in many aspects of that game. That's why I say they could have won that game. Uh, if it wasn't that lull they had in, in the second period where the Islanders scored twice, kind of turned the game around, obviously. But, um, you know, I, I, it has worked for them. And, you know, and look, we're talking about a guy like Braden Coburn, too, who could probably still play a lot of lineups. You know, he's only seen the ice because Victor or for Ryan McDonough missed those three games in the Boston series. So, yeah, it is uh, it is very interesting It's uh, that it's, it's worked for them. And um, I am curious to see. Because I think they're different styles if Tampa Bay happens to close this deal, if they play Dallas or if they play Vegas. Those are two completely different styles of opponents that you would face. Vegas being a speed team and Dallas, they have Rupe Hintz and they have more physical. You know, they have Heiskanen and they have Hintz and they have Klingberg, guys who can skate. But they're they're more of a structured physical team along the lines of a Columbus, along the lines in some ways of the Islanders, uh, whereas Vegas is a team predicated on speed and they want to push the pace of the game and everything like that. Uh, so, yeah, that, that will be curious to see which way John Cooper goes if if they happen to advance to the Stanley if Cup final. Yeah. Don't want to get ahead of myself. But you can. That's what you're doing. Don't worry, that question's coming up. I, I do have uh, that question here here and there. So, um, Greg, thank you so much, man. I, this was fun. I'm so glad that we were able to do this. Yeah. Hopefully reminiscing, hopefully foreshadowing too, but that would be nice uh, somewhere down the road. I, that's not, I'm, not, I'm not foreshadowing. I wish I was, but uh, we'll have to see where things play out. Uh, but make sure you catch Greg on Lightning Power Play. He still does the show with uh, Dave Michigan Noon. Uh, Monday through Friday, and then then pregame, postgame, everything else uh, on Lightning Power Play. Greg, thanks, man. It's great to talk to you. Thank you, buddy. We'll do it again soon. All right. Well, thanks to Greg Linelli for joining the show. I hope you guys enjoyed that. Uh, always great to talk to Greg. Uh, it's nice to kind of have him back as a co-host, if you will, in that situation to, to give some of his takes on it. So uh, thanks to Greg Linelli for joining us. Uh, let's get to the questions because there's a ton of them. Uh, first of all, I want to make sure that uh, you know the special offer code, the special that we have with smackapparel.com. Again, if you go to smackapparel.com and use the promo code 2020BOGO, that's 2020BOGO, 2020BOGO, you'll get buy one, get one free on anything they have in stock. That's college, NFL, hockey, whatever it is, uh, they'll get buy one, get one free. Uh, so make sure you check out smackapparel.com and use the promo code for buy one, get one free. And we have another t-shirt giveaway we want to do. Um, again, from Smack Apparel, it's the Party Like It's 2004 shirt. If you go to smackapparel.com and look at their 
uh, hockey stuff in Tampa Bay, you'll see that shirt. So this is what it looks like. Uh, we're going to do that with a trivia question. We did this a couple weeks ago. Good response. Hopefully you guys answer with this one as well. In 2004, Brad Richards won the Conn Smythe Trophy. Tampa Bay won the Stanley Cup. Brad Richards was the playoff MVP and the Conn Smythe Trophy winner. So this is a two-part question. How many game-winning goals did Brad Richards have in that 2004 playoff season? And how many career playoff game-winning goals did Brad Richards finish with? So it's a two-part question. How many game-winning goals did he have in the run to the 2004 Cup? And how many career playoff game-winning goals did Brad Richards have? There's a couple of ways you can get me the answer. My direct messages are open on Twitter. My Twitter handle is at Eric underscore Erlinson. That's E-R-I-K underscore E-R-L-E-N-D-S-S-O-N. So direct message me there. You can email me as well. It's Eric at LightningInsider.com. Those are the two best ways to get me the answer. You can also message me if you want through Facebook, and that's facebook.com slash lightninginsider. Uh, so those are the ways that you can get me the trivia question. And one more time, the question is this. Brad Richards had how many game-winning goals in the 2004 playoff season on the Lightning's run to the Stanley Cup, and how many career playoff game-winning goals did Brad Richards finish with in the postseason? So that's your question uh, from courtesy uh, to win a t-shirt, courtesy of Smack Apparel. Com. And of course, hey, if you're looking to check out my website, lightninginsider.com, I'm going to give you a $10 off promo code. If you use podcast as a promo code, I'll give you $10 off your first year. That's at lightninginsider.com. All right, questions. Uh, we'll start with Jason Woods. Uh, this He actually sent this to me uh, during the game. Uh, but how hard is it to play against a counter-punching patient team that is perfectly content giving up shots against, waiting for mistakes to pounce on? It's difficult. The Islanders will force you to be impatient. We saw that in the first period, right? I think it's about the time Jason sent this question. Uh, it, 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 they can be a frustrating team to play against because they do force you to make impatient plays. And, you know, we talked with Greg there a little bit earlier and mentioned the fact that you know, the mindset's a little bit different with this team. Probably in years past, they would come out of a period like they had in the first today and feel frustrated because they had the puck a lot. They generated chances, uh, didn't spend a whole lot of time in their own end. And at the end of the day, it's 0-0 game. And they did end up falling behind, but they, they didn't fall behind because they got impatient. The Islanders started to make a little bit of a push. I think there was a missed assignment by Blake Coleman or missed misread by Blake Coleman, who tried to exit the zone maybe a little too early that allowed Brock Nelson to kind of get around him uh, a little bit and, um, you know, create that space for himself. And it was a great shot on his part. But, you know, that was the mistake that Blake Coleman made. Um, but, yeah, they, they can force you to be impatient. They will, they will force you to step outside your comfort zone. So uh, that's, it, it can be a very, very tough team to play against. From Colton, is the Palat Point Kucherov line better than the 2015 triplets? Of course, that line was Nikita Kucherov, Andre Palat, and Tyler Johnson. And I think it's close in terms of how they played. Uh, certainly, the, the the Johnson between those two in 2015 had a great regular season and you know a fantastic regular season. Um, but the Point kucherov Palat line is having a much better postseason. I mean, they've been fantastic this postseason. Uh, so I would give the edge uh, to them. And look, and that's that's like, this is why I say it's close, because think of some of the big moments that that line created in 2015. 
you know, the the game four against Detroit, where Johnson and Palat hooked up for the two tying goals in the third period, and then they were on the ice together for the game-winning goal in overtime uh, to win game four and turn that series around. Uh, you know, think of uh, the series against the Rangers in the Eastern Conference Final and how good they were, particularly Tyler Johnson, who had the hat trick uh, in game two of that series. So uh, I think it's close, but I think I, I'm, I'm going to give the edge to point between those two guys right now. Uh, Chris Wright did point return after taking that hit and struggling to the bench. Uh, he did not, and the hit wasn't whatever was bothering him there didn't come from the hit. At least by my view, I think whatever happened there is whatever's bothering him. Uh, whatever held him out of game three, I think, is what kind of came back there because the hit wasn't anything that looked like it should have created any issue. But he did not return. He did stay on the bench. He did not go back to the locker room. No update from John Cooper after the game, of course, as he said, hey, the, you know, the next game is a couple days away. Let's kind of wait and see uh, how things play out. Um, but he did stay on the bench. He didn't go back to the locker room. But it just looked like it was... Um, something that whatever was bothering him kind of re-triggered itself. From Mike Musetta, forget about the Bergeron line as the perfection line. I will take the point line anytime. Uh, certainly right now, uh, but when that Bergeron line is going, they create some magic. And, you know, it's probably about what we're seeing out of the point line right now. Uh, you know, you're probably a little biased in what you're seeing here, and that's fine. There's no problem with that. Um, I just, I just think that that Bergeron line when they're going even now, but even go, just go back to a couple of years ago, not many teams in the league are going to stop them. Not many teams in the playoffs right now are stopping the point line. They've been productive in all three series to this point. Uh, but yeah, they've been fantastic from, uh, Michael Alderman. When do we get a solid nickname for the top line? That's a good point. Um, I'm really bad at coming up with nicknames for lines. Um, so I don't know if I can come up with one. If any of you have suggestions, hit me up, find me on Twitter. Most of you do. This is where all the questions come from. Um, at Eric underscore Erlinson, uh, let's come up, let's find a nickname, you know, right on point or, uh, I, I don't know, something like that. Uh, thinking about the initials. I don't know if there's anything initials wise. Mm, yeah, I have to give it some thought. I uh, want you guys to give it some thought too, and, um, maybe come up with some just suggestions. Let's see what we can find. Uh, from Tony, uh, love the podcast. Thank you, Tony point looked hurt again. If he is out for game five, Sorelli to the top line and Stevens for Hagee to slot in, who would you select? Um, well, I, I'd be interested to see what they would do if that's the case. Obviously Sorelli would get elevated to that line. Um, Kalorn is back. Remember he missed the game suspension in game three. Um, I thought Tyler Johnson looked better at center. So do you move Johnson to the center and maybe elevate a Blake Coleman and then slide in a Verhage, um on the third line? Do you, I mean, Stevens was so good in the faceoff circle. Uh, it's a good question. It's a good question. Uh, if it was me, I'd probably insert Stevens, you know, right-handed shot. Another guy who can take faceoffs if you need it. Uh, he was really good uh, on the faceoffs the other night. Um, I would probably find a way to get Steve because Stevens can play the wing too, even though he takes faceoffs. He can play the wing. He played some wing this year. So that would probably be where I would lean. From Eric Romine, did Hedman look gassed and or hurt? Um, he made he had some struggles in the third period, especially in clearing pucks out of the zone. Uh, I'm going to maybe chalk that one up 
uh, without knowing anything for sure to gassed because he played 29 minutes. You know, that's a little high um, even for Victor Hedman's standards, right? Because he's, he's usually in the 22 to 25 range. He's peaked up around 27 at times, but you know, you, you look at the ice time from the game this afternoon, he's the only player there who, who logged more than 20 minutes, like only player. Nobody else hit the 20, 20 minute mark. You know, Kucherov had 19, Sergachev had 18, Ryan McDonough, who himself is normally up around the 24-minute uh, mark, finished with just under 17. Eric Chernak was at 15. You know, Kevin Shattenkirk was at 16. So uh, he took some extra heavy minutes. Uh, so I'm I'm going to, just by kind of looking at that, saying it had to have been something to do with just being on the ice for so long. Uh, from Ryan Wells, what do you think the reason was for putting both Sergachev and Hedman on the same power play line? Also, with Point looking hurt and not finishing the game, would you rest him next game? Uh, let's start with Sergachev and Hedman. Um, I, I I think they're just looking for a spark to the power play. You know, talked with uh, uh, Jay Retcher earlier today that the power play numbers as a whole look pretty good, but they've had a couple of explosive games when it comes to the power play. You think of the three power play goals they had against Boston in game three. Um, but remember, they had a five-minute power play in the series against Boston, only had the one goal on it. So the power play has not found its stride. I think they're just looking for something to make it click. Uh, we saw Alex Kalorn move to the second power play unit today. Uh, I wasn't crazy about putting Hedman and um, Sergeyev out there together. I don't think Sergachev is comfortable over on that left spot, uh, on that left circle, you know, the Stamco spot. Uh, I think, you know, Pilat has looked okay over there. You know, remember the one game against the Bruins, they switched Kucherov over to that side and kind of created some havoc. Maybe they should go back to that. Uh, I wasn't crazy about seeing them both on the power play. I think they're both more true number one power play quarterback type guys. Um, I would I would probably switch Sergachev back to the number two unit and leave Hedman up top. Uh, on the number one unit and kind of go from there. Uh, and as far as point, yeah, I talked about that with Greg. Um, my thought is that uh, they could rest him. They have a 3-1 series lead. Not that you want to give away any game. Uh, and as I mentioned with Greg, it maybe it depends. If the Vegas-Dallas series gets extended, maybe you try and find a way to work him through another game and then give him maybe a few extra days rest off if you can kind of get the job done. Um, but if Dallas wins, well, then that series is over, and we've seen it. They're not going to give the teams much time off to start the Stanley Cup final. You might get two days off. Uh, you, you know, the, they might give that opportunity to stretch things out a little bit, but you're not going to get much time off either way. I think the Stanley Cup final is starting at no later than Monday, so no later than a week from tomorrow, uh, as I record this right now. But there's look, if things go that way, there's it could easily be starting by Saturday. Uh, from Bryant, what can the Lightning do to stop the Islanders' runs at star players like Point and Kucherov? As the Islanders are getting more desperate, the runs seem to be getting worse. It's a tactic. I hate that it's a tactic. You know, if uh, oh, we can't we can't outskill them, so we're going to try and outgoon them if you want. You know, um, I I don't know if there's really nothing you can do to stop them. You're not going to send a, a Shen or a Maroon out there to pick a fight because then you potentially put yourself in a bad spot. You know, we've seen a couple of fights in this series. It was almost another one that broke out today as Shen and Martin tried to get together right after the uh, Blake Coleman goal. Um, 
you know, but the, the, the linesman and the officials stepped in front of it. So it did not materialize. Um, uh, other than that, I, I don't know what you can do. You know, it's, it's, it's part of playoff hockey is they always say you just finish your checks, but it's certainly looking like they're going out of their way. And here's the other thing, like they inserted Ross Johnston today. And that's all that Johnston does. He's just a guy who hits. So they try to increase that element of their game, if you will. I'm interested to see if Barry Trotz goes back to him again for game five, because I think he was, other than the one shift that that line had, uh, with Komarov on it, um, you know, they looked out of place. They looked overmatched. And, uh, you know, do you want to try and take a physical guy and try and match the speed? Uh, I don't know. Uh, but I don't think there's any way that you can necessarily put an end to it. Uh, from Brown Crow, Hetty didn't look good there late in the game. I missed most of it, so I don't know if he took a knock or anything. We don't need any other star players banked up. Yeah, just talked about Hedman. I want to say I'm just going to go and say that it was probably fatigue-related that that's probably what it comes down to with him because the amount of minutes he played. We'll see. I don't think – I didn't see anything. I didn't notice anything that gives me any reason to think that he's uh, playing through some kind of an injury or something happened in today's game. Uh, from Doug, who is uh, safe for blood on Twitter, who would you give the con Smythe to this far? Uh, I know there's a ways to go. Um, Hudobin is playing out of his mind. Vazzy as well. Point, Kucherov, Palat, Hedman, Miro Heiskinen. Those are my thoughts uh, personally so far, top guys. Um, I, certainly Anton Hudobin for what he's doing in this series against Vegas. He's, he's in, in a lot of ways, he's stealing the series so far through four games. I mean, Dallas has scored six goals through four games, and they have a 3-1 series lead. That's crazy to think about. I know Vegas hasn't scored, but you expect a team. I think Vegas has probably only scored. I think they've only scored six goals as well. But you expect a team who's only scored six goals through four games to be losing the series. You don't expect the team that's winning the series to have only scored six goals. That's a credit to Anton Udobin because it's not like Dallas has been so good defensively. They've had some, you know, they've had breakdowns and Vegas has created opportunities. It's just Udobin has stowed them uh, at any chance. And the other thing to look forward, look for, for, for Vegas is if Mark Stone is healthy. That's a big loss if he's not able to play. He, he tried to play in the game the other night, but did not look comfortable. And we'll see what um, game five brings for them. Um, Heiskanen is certainly a, that uh, in that conversation. I mean, he's leading all defensemen in scoring. Uh, I think Braden Point is, uh, if not at the top, he's right near the top. Uh, and Hedman's a consideration as well. Uh, I think just based on the way I know how voting can go, um, I, I think you you, you could probably say any of those guys. I mean, Vasilevsky's numbers are going to be hard to ignore if it gets to that point. Um, but I, I think I think just the attention, the timeliness, um, what you saw Point do again today, uh, I, I think if, I think he has to be the front runner of the four teams that are left so far in the playoffs just because of what he's been able to do. Uh, from Prezemic, uh, maybe it's obvious question, maybe not. Is Dallas a better matchup for Tampa Bay based on matchups in previous games? Also, I wasn't upset after game three because they barely beat Tampa Bay without Kalorn and Point. When Tampa is healthy, you see the difference between teams. Yep, Tampa Bay is by far the more talented team. Uh, I think the Islanders are probably the best team that Tampa Bay has faced, but... Um, I think that the Lightyear are just the best team alive in the playoffs to this point. 
Uh, if we want to look at matchups, uh, you know, I, I still think Vegas has probably the best constructed roster in a league. They're not necessarily playing like it right now. They've had some issues with what they do. And, um, you, you, you know, in, in, in how they play the game. Uh, you know, but da- Dallas is very structured. They're more physical than Vegas is. Um, we've seen what physical teams try and do against Tampa Bay. They don't have the depth. Uh, they've had some timely scoring. They don't have the speed. Uh, once you get past, uh, say, Rupe Hintz or Heiskanen or John Klingberg, um, you know, uh, it. it um, so if we're going to talk pure matchups, then Dallas is the better matchup. They're banged up. You know, remember they're they're playing without Ben Bishop. We just talked about the job Hudobin has done. Um, Radic Foxa is now hurt. Um, you know, so they're they've got some injury issues as well. Some other guys are playing banged up as well. Um, they've got some clutch guys. Pavelski's a clutch guy. Corey Perry has made some big plays for them in the postseason. Sagan, uh, Radulov has made some big plays for them. But in terms of overall depth, I, I think if if things get to that point, um, you know, Dallas would be the team that you would want to face. Uh, from Travis, thoughts on Kucherov shooting. He used to score on some of those half chances he's been getting. You heard Greg talk about it a little bit earlier. You know, the radar comes and goes, right? As long as you're getting the chances, goal scorers find ways to score goals. He's still being productive. You know, he's not scoring the goals we're used to seeing from him, but he's being productive. He's He's creating opportunities. I wouldn't worry too much about... Uh, his shooting per se, um, I think sometimes it just takes a little bit to get locked up or locked in. Uh, from Karen, without giving away any specifics, do you know ways the Lightning build mental toughness to shake off losses like Game 3 or losing key members? Motivational speaker at the start seemed to be a good move. What kinds of things help during the season and postseason? Uh, they do have a team sports psychologist, and he is with them uh, in the bubble. Uh, so he works with them. They do talk about some of this stuff, um, you know, throughout. But I just, I just think it's a mindset too. You know, you think of especially what the core of this team has been through, and especially after what happened last year. You know, I, I if things get to where we hope they get to here, I think we're going to look back at last year, where it forced the organization as a whole, including the players, to do a lot of soul searching. How did they lose that series? What went wrong? How did they have such a great regular season turn into that? You know, and I think they just came back with a different attitude. And, you know, I've said it. This is, I think, the best coaching job that John Cooper has done. And that's, you know, a 62-win season last year. That's not easy to do. Um, You know, some of the other ways he's had this team, the year that that they missed the playoffs by a point with all the injuries that they had. This is the best coaching job he's done. He's found a way after a while to help the team push past last year, focus on this year, and just have a different attitude. And this was even before they made the trades, right? The trade, we talked about how those additions have sort of rebuilt the personality or or added to the personality a little bit of this team. But even before then, they just had a different mindset. You think back to when... The team was kind of struggling. Then he get to Christmas, and boom, they went off from there. But uh, that's where a lot of it is coming from. Uh, also from Brown Crow, rumor is you've been picking Chiefs sock shoe combination for the post game show. Is that true? I wish I had that kind of style. I don't have that kind of style. Chief is the man. He picks his own stuff. He knows exactly what he's doing. 
Um, so no, I don't have that that type of style sense. As if anybody's seen the post game Facebook lives I do with Jay Retcher, I don't have any fashion sense at all. Uh, from Platitude, last one. Do you think we ever get a point where Hedman gets penciled in to win the Norris each year, regardless of points? Same thing for Vasilevsky. There are so many great defensemen in this league that I don't know if you can get to the point where you can pencil in anybody. You know, the last player you could kind of say that about was Nick Lidstrom. And Nick Lidstrom was on a completely different planet. Uh, he played the game at a completely different level as anybody else, and he was just that good. Um, so we're not to that point with Victor Hedman. Um, but you think about the great defensemen that are in this league, there's a ton of them. You know, uh, Roman Yossi. You know, John Carlson, they're the other two Norris finalists this year. I think he deserves more than one that he's won to this point. Uh, I don't think he's going to win it this year. We'll find out this weekend most likely. But um, I don't know if we can get to the point where we can pencil him in just because of that. And the same thing for Vasilevsky. You know, look, he's been a finalist for three straight years. He's won it once. Again, I don't think he's going to win it this year. Uh, I think it probably belongs to Connor Hellebuck for the regular season he had because remember these awards were voted on preseason or pre-playoffs based just solely on the regular season uh, so i don't know if you can ever get to that point because every year uh kind of brings it as long as he continues to have the type of seasons he's had he'll be in the conversation and that's all you can ask for and then it just comes down to the voters and remember it's the general managers that vote for Vezina and it's the phwa who votes for the norris trophy so all right, that's going to wrap up this show. We'll be back with another one post-game after Tuesday's Game 5. Remember, that is an 8 o'clock start. That's back on NBC Sports Network. Uh, potential clinching game for the Tampa Bay Lightning um, on Tuesday at 8 o'clock. Uh, so I'll be back with another post-game podcast. Make sure you check out my website, lightninginsider.com. I want to thank Greg Linelli for coming on the show today. Hopefully, uh, everybody enjoyed that conversation as well. So. Um, we'll try and do some more of these things down the line. It's a little difficult right now with uh, just the whole setup and everything else, but uh, we'll try and get more guests like Greg on the show as we go. All right, don't forget the trivia question. Don't forget to check out my website. We'll be back with another podcast on Tuesday, uh, following up the game for that. Uh, make sure you subscribe. Make sure you five-star review us on iTunes if you can, uh, and tell your friends about it. Hopefully you enjoy it. The feedback has been great. I'm really enjoying it. Hopefully you are too. We'll be back with you on Tuesday. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.